and welcome to our class podcast, American Writers One, Beginnings to 1865. I'm Dr. Carrie Tippin, your instructor and host. Today we're discussing some appeals for reform written by women in the 19th century. Let's meet the rest of the panel, some new folks we've not met before. Uh, please introduce yourself by telling us your name, your major, and a skill you've always wanted to learn. Um, Haley, why don't you go first? Okay, hi everyone, I'm Haley. Um, my major is international business and something I've always wanted to learn is how to play piano. I've actually tried to teach myself, but it's so hard. So I haven't learned it yet, but maybe one day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I quit piano lessons pretty early as well. I just wanted to play songs. I didn't want to actually learn. Right, that's how I am too, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phoebe, say hi. Hello, I'm Phoebe. I'm an English major, and I was also going to say that I've always wanted to learn how to play the piano. Yeah. I bought a keyboard in middle school and never touched it, and that was, yeah. <laughs> Your eternal shame, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I'm Dr. Tip, and I'm an English major, and I've always wanted to learn how to ice skate. Mm -hmm. um, I came from Texas where there is no ice skating. And I guess like I, I've skated around like the PPG downtown thing at Christmas time. And it was pretty fun. That's all, that's all. <laughs> I wanna really skate though. Like yeah. figure skate, figure mm -hmm. skate. Haley, can you skate? I can't. I always have to, I have to be holding someone's hand or I fall. Oh. So <laughs> yeah, but it's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> I was a champion rollerblader in, in middle school. I feel like oh, I could really? totally get it back. Yeah, you should. Any minute. <laughs> well, welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, we had three pieces to read for today. Uh, Sojourner Truth's Speech to a Women's Rights Convention, uh, Catherine Beecher's A Treatise on Domestic Economy, and the Declaration of Sentiments from the Seneca Falls Convention. Um, let's start with the first two. Haley, you kind of asked a question about these two texts. Um, so start us off with a quick summary of, let's start with Sojourner Truth. Okay, so Sojourner Truth, um, she was born into slavery in New York in 1797 and was emancipated in 1827. Um, she was among the first black women to speak publicly in the United States, but she was also illiterate because she was a slave and she didn't have access to an education. Um, so that's kind of her history, which I think is really important to look at before we jump into analyzing the text. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but um, it kind of opens by talking about how it's impossible to truly transfer her speech to paper because of the effect that it had on the audience because of how powerful her form was, how whole-souled and earnest her gestures were, and how strong and truthful her tones were. Um, so it's kind of impossible to actually portray what her speech was like in words. Um, but something that I thought stood out a lot was how she first asks permission to say a few words. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of attributed that to like, in Frederick Douglass's slave narrative, he's very careful um, about what he's saying so that he doesn't step over any lines where people are gonna stop listening to him. Yeah. So I kind of thought as that's what she was doing when she asked permission to speak so yeah. that the audience she was talking to knew that she like respected them even though they didn't respect her probably. Mm -hmm. um, so then she says, I am a woman's rights, which is such a strong statement. Um, I feel like I have to bring that up right away. Totally. And then she goes in to list how she can do work like a man. Um, she says, 
I have as much muscle as any man and can do as much work as any man. I have plowed and reaped and husked and chopped and mowed. And can any man do more than that? So that's also a very strong statement. Um, yeah. And it's things that she did as a slave. So she knows she's as strong. She knows she can do those things. Um, and then she goes on to say, she me measures men and women's intellect saying that if women have a pint and men have a quart, um, can't they each get their fill? Mm -hmm. um, and that men should not be afraid to give women rights for fear that they will take too much because they have their own rights and they won't be so much trouble. Um, men will still have rights even if women get their rights is what she's saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she also, something that really stood out to me is I can't read, but I can hear. Mm -hmm. I think that might be my favorite quote that she said mm -hmm. in the speech. Um, because she can't read because she didn't have rights because she's a woman and she's black but yeah. she understands what's going on around her and she's not going to let not having an education stop her from changing the world yeah. um, which she obviously did so <laughs> i think that's really powerful yeah. um and then she she goes into reference the bible and she talks about lazarus and um how eve upset the world and that we should give women a chance to make it right mm -hmm. um trying to see what else I have written. Oh, at the end, I wrote, I was actually researching it a little bit, like the speech itself. Yeah. And I found, I'm not sure, I think this is just believed to be true, but people believe that the speech was actually rewritten by a white feminist, Francis Gage, in an effort to make the message more appealable to white audiences, which is obviously so sad. Because yeah. even though she was giving speeches, um, what she actually said might not even be like what we're reading and we don't know. Uh, yeah. the reality of black womanhood so yeah. it's, I mean it's just like overall when I read that I was like oh my gosh that's so sad like but well we have at least a couple of versions so it's really famous as the ain't I a woman speech right mm -hmm. um and so that's one version that's trying to like capture her accent and her dialect or whatever uh right. but this one is a little cleaned up it's a little less dialect and so yeah I wonder what your feelings are Haley it sounds like you're pretty sad about it I am pretty sad when I read that I was I just like because the speech is so powerful and she was illiterate mm. and she still went out and gave speeches to people who hated her and that's such a powerful thing to do and then I read that and I was like this might not even be what she said yeah because it, I did it's just so sad you know and then she but, would not then be able to fight back against it or right. even really maybe know that you'd been taken in this particular right. way. Yeah. 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 Phoebe, do you have any questions about that one that we should clarify? Or are you feeling good? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. I also agree. It was super emotional kind of to read and yeah. really powerful, especially coming from someone who was seen as uneducated and not mm -hmm. as powerful as other women, even though women were still oppressed, but I think she really made her voice heard. Yeah, yeah there's a wisdom in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, talk to me about a very different text now, Haley, <laughs> the Catherine Beecher. Okay, it is very different. <laughs> very different, yeah, different audience, different everything. Right. <laughs> yeah, so Catherine E. Beecher, I just wanted to start with her history. Yeah. Um, so she was from a very famous and affluent family. Um, her brother was a famous preacher. I believe her father was as well. I don't I remember. So. Probably mm -hmm. in here. And then her sister actually wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. So yeah. that gives you an idea of where she came from. Yeah. Um, 
And she basically, she believed that domestic life was central to the moral and spiritual good of the nation mm -hmm. and believed that the role of the woman was to maintain an orderly home, um, which is very different from what we just read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're talking yeah, yeah. about, yeah, where Sojourner was talking about how women, you know, have the same strength as men, but now it's completely flipped. But yeah. um, so, and this was a very influential book. I think it said it was reprinted like 15 times in 10 years or something like that. So yeah, but, yeah. Um, let me to it. okay so basically the first two paragraphs to me she was just kind of talking about how great America is because of Christianity mm -hmm. um and she was talking about how America is an experiment that is like going well because of Christianity being in every social civil and political institution um, and she was saying that basically God has given Americans the responsibility of working out a problem involving the destiny of the whole world, which is, yes. yeah, which is very powerful way to say it too, right? Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say like going into this, it's not that I completely, at first, whenever I read that, like, she believed women should just be living a domestic life. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to hate this. But she did believe that women should have an education. So that's kind of yes. what we're getting into now. But <laughs> um, so then she kind of points out how in the third paragraph that, um, what is it? Oh, the part that is enacted by women is the part to which attention should be directed, yeah. which is back then that was like a pretty bold statement to make that like women should be paid attention to the most. Mm -hmm. um, and then she says that the success of democratic institution depends upon the intellectual moral character of the mass of the people. Um, and she says that the intellectual character of the young is committed to the female hand. Um, so she's just saying that women have the responsibility of teaching the young how mm -hmm. to be good people. Um, so if the women of the nation are virtuous in intellect, men will be the same. So she's also saying that women have the responsibility of teaching their husbands or whoever is in their life. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and she's saying, oh, she, a quote that stood out to me was, um, the proper education of a man decides the welfare of an individual, but the education of a woman means the whole family is educated. Yeah. So she's saying that like men should be the laborers and women have the responsibility of like teaching them how to be good people. <laughs> which obviously I don't really like. But a lot <laughs> like of responsibility. Why? Yeah, that's a lot of responsibility. Um, yeah. And everyone should just be able to be a good person on their own. But but because of this, she's saying women shouldn't feel that what they're doing is insignificant because yeah. um, she's saying it's the most important job in the nation is teaching people moral, into, moral and, um, you know, intellect. Um, and then she basically ended it by saying that, I'm trying to find what I was, um, women should do domestic work, have kids, educate and sew, and that it's the greatest work ever committed to human responsibility. Yeah. That was all the notes I had on it, so. <laughs> it's really interesting, and I can't wait to talk more about the particulars of that rhetoric. We can definitely talk about that for a good long while. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. Do you have any kind of questions or clarifying things you want to address? Um, I think for me, like the first paragraph was a little bit confusing because I know it says that she was referencing a popular poem by the English poet William 
Cowper. Yes. Um, but I wasn't really sure. I mean, I kind of like whenever I was taking notes on it, I didn't really write that much about that other than that she did take. Yeah. The, quoted the poem. So I wasn't really sure what she was doing with that. If you I hear you. It's sort of like a, it almost feels like, you know, a revelation at the end of the Bible when like the mm -hmm. kingdom of heaven comes to earth and like everything is made perfect. I think right. she's drawing this connection between like that America as like the home of democracy is like that. It oh, is a, okay. a divine mission to, to establish a kingdom of God on earth. Okay. In the form of democracy. Right. Uh, well, she's definitely no church and state separation here. Uh, mm. She's very specifically saying like it is because uh, Christianity is in all parts of the political institution that it's going to succeed and right. that the work of God is the work of democracy. They are the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Reacting I, I kind of picked that, up on that, but. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It then makes like women's work in the home not just like small homework, but God's divine plan. Right. Yeah, the small becomes right. enormous. Right, and it, it's interesting how she believed that because she had an education. I think right. I wrote that she studied mathematics and Latin and things like that. Um, and she did believe women should have an education, but basically that they shouldn't use it for themselves, that they should use it for other people. Right. So. Right, right. We can definitely. It's a very weird twist. That. Yeah, it's a weird twist on women's rights. <laughs> for sure. Yes, yes. Well, I'll go ahead and like do the spoiler. Uh, I definitely have mentioned this word before, but it's a patriarchal bargain. Mm, it's mm -hmm. a way of kind of accepting that. Okay, fine. I'm gonna work from home. I'm gonna do the home thing that I want, but please recognize that it is the most important work that there could be, and you should thank me every day. Right. Um, and I'm really important and in order to do it well you should educate me so like I'm gonna get my education and I'm gonna get power but I'm also gonna stay at home like mm -hmm. you get you have to make that deal sort of right yeah mm -hmm. yeah reactions to that Haley what do you think good deal bad um, deal I mean I think it's a bad deal just because she's like okay with being lesser than men and not having like even though she it's kind of I guess revolutionary for the time it's still not like you're not equal to men if you're just getting an education and then being at home like sure do you know what I mean yes it also folds into an idea called the separate spheres and we'll mm. definitely be talking about that some more in the weeks to come but it's a, a an overarching idea philosophy of life um that's kind of separates the genders into separate spheres. There's a public sphere for men's work and a domestic sphere for women's work. Right. And they will both be like captains of those places. So it's kind of like segregation. It's supposed mm -hmm. to be separate, but equal. And I totally hear what you're saying, Haley, it can never be equal. That's right. always like the problem with segregation. Yeah. <laughs> right, like it's saying it's giving women power but it's obviously not actually, <laughs> so. Sure, and power for, to serve men. But mm -hmm. it, it also right. is a little bit sneaky in that she's saying that domestic work actually is public work because oh. it's going to affect the politics and it's going to affect the public sphere. You right. don't have to physically go into it to affect it. And I, I, I don't, I think it's supposed to make women feel really good. Right, because she's saying that women can teach men yeah. moral how to think morally and, and like their intellect from 
the time when they're young, which yeah. would shape them into, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. So it, but it is, it is a rhetoric for sure. And it right. is a way to sort of say this thing that you've given me that I don't actually want, uh, I will make it work. Right. Kind mm -hmm. of making it do more. So your question, Haley, was kind of about the backgrounds of these two characters, not characters, that's not the right word, uh, these two narrators, <laughs> these two speakers, mm -hmm. um, and how that kind of leads to some differences between them. So talk a little bit more about what, what that means. Right. To I mean, I think their differences are very obvious. Like Sojourner Truth was born a slave. She was a black woman and she, um, you know, didn't have an education. Whereas Catherine Beecher, like I said, was from a very affluent family. She studied Latin philosophy and mathematics. Um, so obviously their past would influence how they would see the world and see women's rights. But I kind of already mentioned how I think the biggest difference was that Sojourner Truth talked a lot about strength and how she was equal physically to men. Um, let me find that. I'm sorry, I'm flipping backwards. Where she said, um, I have plowed and reaped and husked and chopped and mowed. Um, whereas those are things that Catherine Beecher probably never did. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously that would influence how she would see women's rights and their role in American society. Whereas Catherine Beecher, because she um, had the opportunity to have an education and obviously grew up like upper class, um, I think that she saw women's rights very differently than Sojourner mm -hmm. did. And like you were saying, she was kind of fine with like serving men still. Like she thought that women's role was to serve men just in a different way where Sojourner Truth, obviously she did not say that. So. No, she did not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess the answer I was looking for there was just how they both view women's rights very differently because of their past. And then, um, yeah. you know, which is obvious. But, and it yeah. causes them to make different arguments to different audiences. Right, right. Through different means as well, right? From speech to text. Right. That, and yeah, yeah, something else I was going to write is obviously, um, or that I was going to say, I mean, is that Catherine Beecher, because she was a white woman, she has, um, um, what's the word? Oh my gosh, a privilege. Sorry, I just blanked. She has a privilege that Sojourner Truth doesn't have. She was a Black woman and she was illiterate and she was a slave. Um, and so the ability to write down exactly what she wants to say and knowing like the exact meaning of the words from studying Latin and philosophy and everything gives her a privilege over Sojourner Truth where Sojourner had someone else write what she was saying. Yeah, yeah. And then having access to publishing through her famous family. Right. These are all, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Phoebe, can you think of any good answers for this question too? How those differences between them kind of affected the arguments that they made? Yeah, I think um, the first, when I, were, I read this question, it made me think a lot about how today there's kind of like a separation between like white feminism and more mm. like intersectional inclusive and Agreed. it really like how you said um Catherine Beecher has like a lot more privilege over to draw her truth and she doesn't really know what it's like to be oppressed I mean yes she's a woman but she I said like her sister wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin like she knows what it's like to have um access to, like all these different things like a home and you know yeah education and having the ability to like have that kind of like complex over at home like I'm teaching everyone and I'm cooking and all these things but like 
Sid Run Our Truth was out there like working and she actually knows what it's like to genuinely be oppressed and have to work for what she has. Yeah, and I, I think that power kind of comes through in the speech as well, right? The, mm -hmm. the clear asking for attention to be paid in the most basic sort of ways as mm -hmm. well, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, let's take a look at Sojourner Truth a little bit more deeply for a few minutes before we kind of go on to the next one. I'm trying to be aware of time, but I can't see my clock. <laughs> uh, okay, great. So, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying it's 1122 if you couldn't Thank see the time. <laughs> I moved my ring light and now I can see it. <laughs> oh. I have, Zoom has make me deeply vain. I don't know, but oh. my hair looks really good today. And I'm really sad this is a podcast because dang, it looks good. Okay, great. <laughs> so one of the things that I wanted to talk about with Sojourner Truth was her biblical comparison. Uh, you know, you mentioned Lazarus um, mm -hmm. and then this really beautiful line at the end, uh, man is in a tight place. The poor slave is on him. Woman is coming on him and he is surely between a hawk and a buzzard. Mm -hmm. I do. I love that particular line. So she is sort of, uh, she's definitely making this appeal to put abolition and women's rights together. And I think that is appealing to this group of women's rights people because that's actually a, ch a question they have not solved. Uh, and I think Phoebe, to your point about like white women's feminism and intersectional feminism, it's still a schism. It it's hard to know which thing to fight for first. Um, and I think the intersectionalists and Sojourner Truth are saying, don't choose, fight for them both. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I wonder if you had any thoughts about that. How is she maybe making that case to don't forget that race and gender go together? Any particular lines or ideas that that kind of make that argument? Mm -hmm. To focus on both. What do you think? Is it, um, yeah, where she says, man, where's your part? Women are coming up blessed, be God, and a few of the men are coming up with them, mm -hmm. where she's kind of talking about how, like, what is the part that men are doing in this scenario rather than women just, like, fighting for their rights? Yeah, I think literally there, though, she's also talking about, like, how men did not do anything to make Jesus. <laughs> I got that too a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, so they, they actually don't have quite as big, like, wh where do you get off and having, yeah. yeah, this power? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like that didn't really answer your question. But no, I agree. No, it's fine. I was just, I was just skimming. Yeah. The part maybe, you know, where she, you've, you mentioned this a couple of different times, but her focusing on her physical strength. Mm -hmm. um, and how it came from being enslaved and doing enslaved person's work. Um, that may be kind of calling it. And I think it's even stronger in the Ain't I a Woman version of this speech, uh, where clearly she's saying like, okay, I am a slave, but am I not a woman too? Why are you not paying attention to both of these parts of my life mm -hmm. and both of these problems? Um, so maybe this particular, uh, the, the, the line, I am a woman's rights. I think is probably the clearest direction of like abolition and women's rights are the same problem, right. the same issues. 
we'll see more of that in the weeks to come, I think. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else, Phoebe, is there anything about Sojourner Truth Suite she wanted to talk about in particular? I just really think it's um, really important that she's saying like, you don't have to pick something to fight for. You can fight for all of it simultaneously yeah. and you don't have to necessarily, you know, pick one over the other. They're both equally as important and you should be loud about both of them. Yeah, be loud about both. I like that. <laughs> as far as Catherine Beecher goes, uh, I think one of the things I'm most interested uh, with her is her direct appeal to American mothers as a specific audience. Um, mm -hmm. And that she's, she's really talking directly to them in a genre that no one else is listening to, which I think is pretty cool. So it's essentially like a self-help book um, or like a household manual. It doesn't have direct recipes like a cookbook, but I think you can think of it as kind of similar in genre. Um, and there's this wonderful cookbook scholar named Sherry Innes, and she makes this argument that because they are domestic texts and they're only speaking to women, they can kind of be a little like sneakily subversive in that men aren't reading it. And they're sort of like, do you know these tweets that people do that they're like, follow me for more beauty tutorials. Okay, at midnight we riot now that men are not paying attention anymore, right? Uh, I think it's kind of the same idea that there's some sneaky things. Uh, like at first it sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm totally following the rules and then you stop paying attention and then I give you the real message. And I don't know that that Trojan horse is exactly what's happening here <laughs> in this particular part. But I, I think we could maybe make that argument that she is by talking directly to women, you know, in this secret genre, maybe giving them some ideas they might not have. So I wonder if we could talk a little bit more about, let's, let's kind of play devil's advocate, I guess. Let's kind of see both sides. Um, is there a way that what Beecher is writing about makes women powerful? Does it give them power? Does it make them feel good? It, like does it raise the status of women in any way let's hear it what do you think I think that it would give women power or make them feel powerful and that they are influencing their children and their husbands and the men in their lives mm -hmm. um and that they are learning about government and um you know through an education they would learn about injustices but she doesn't really say that yeah, um, she does not say that, does she? Right. She doesn't say that, but I feel like it. the more educated you are, the more aware you are of the world, so obviously, but um, I think that this is, this is a powerful position for women, just maybe not like how we would look at it today. We wouldn't think it was powerful, but for the time, yeah. I think that it would have been a revolutionary idea, yeah. whereas, I mean, even though they're still serving men, it's like, we're affecting them though. Mm -hmm. And just because that's how I make the argument to get the education doesn't mean that's what I have to do with it once I get it. Right. Yeah? I think that's kind of where you're headed, Haley. Like you can mm -hmm. get this education and then you can protest whatever you're interested in. Right, right. <laughs> Phoebe, what do you think? Is there something about it that, that seems powerful? Or gives yeah, I think because she doesn't necessarily talk about men really too much right. um she's kind of like almost turning a blind eye to the power that they have and just focusing on how important a woman's role in a home can be and not necessarily thinking about what she can't do 
Mm. She's like looking, this whole thing is just looking on the bright side, really. She's like, yeah, we might, we might not necessarily be able to vote yet, but hey, we can educate all these people and, you know, do these domestic jobs. Yeah. This kind of like died to womanhood is really like, I don't know. I think she really, she really did something here. And I know like now we're looking at it like, oh, but that's, you know, like that's so boring. All you did was like stay at home and educate and do all these other things. But at the time, like, if you think about what they had before that, it was really nothing. Mm-hmm. So even like any sort of power they could have was power. Yeah. And there's something smart too about taking things that you're already expected to do and now convincing you that it's for your it's powerful and that could also maybe be bad let's sort of like tilt into the bad side right because on the one hand she is saying like what you do is so important you're so powerful good for you but then she's also kind of saying like but so just like be happy with what you have already Haley thoughts on that yeah I mean I think that like obviously being comfortable where you are will just kind of hold you back if you're not stepping out of your comfort zone. So I think that's the bad in this is that women would just see staying at home and serving the men in their lives as like fulfilling enough. Um, And they wouldn't grow. But then also you don't know what they would do with the education that they're getting. So it's kind of like, like you said, it can go either way. but I guess my initial reaction to when I read this was like, this is terrible. Yeah. I'd like you were saying like, but for back then it really wasn't. So it's kind of, I don't know how to explain it. Sorry. I feel like I'm no, not I totally agree with off. you. I mean, it's definitely supporting a status quo, right? Right. Like, right. Saying, so, like, the I mean, spheres are separate. These are your tasks. They're really important tasks. Love them. Enjoy them. Think mm. of them as powerful. Ooh, how powerful are they? Yeah. Right. Still to serve men and it's still it's not really revolutionary because you're doing what other people want you to do. Yeah. 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 Phoebe thoughts on that. Yeah. I think especially coming from Catherine Beecher, it's kind of, she, how we said before she has privilege. So she can kind of settle with the idea like, okay, this is what I do now. You know, like she doesn't feel like she has to really fight for much more than she already has. Mm -hmm. Defending the status quo is kind of in her favor. Right. As a person if with she, privilege. If she's settling with what she has, then I mean, she she's set, you know? Yeah. 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 I can see it though as a ground laying kind of argument, though. It starts with saying what you do at home is powerful because it affects the public sphere, which also kind of has hidden in it the argument that women should affect the public sphere. And, and that's like an incremental push. I don't know how to feel about it, right? At the end of reading it and reading it really carefully, I I totally am torn on its, like, what are its powerful messages, but what do you have to accept in order to get that power? And that becomes a really hard thing to fight. Yeah. Any last thoughts on Catherine Beecher? Questions or things you wanted to talk about? All right. Let's go on then to Phoebe's question about Declaration of Sentiments. Talk to me about the Declaration of Sentiments, Phoebe. Give us a quick summary of the situation first. So whenever I first read it, I was basically just like, this is a stab at the Declaration of Independence. Totally. I'm here for it and it's great. 
Um, but it was at the first women's rights convention in New York. And it was kind of like the beginning of the campaign for the 19th amendment, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. In this election was, season. Right. Um, and it was delivered by Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who mm -hmm. was a, a big face at this women's rights convention. Um, and yeah, it's basically just exactly, it's a declaration of sentiments, um, but it's more inclusive of women than the Declaration of Independence was. Yes, yeah. So my question, and we can get into yours in a second, Phoebe, is what do we call this kind of revision? Is it a parody? Is it a satire? Or is it like a, a correction revision? Is it a re-envisioning? Tell me what you think this I is. Think it's yeah like a revision but also satire but she's mm -hmm. like like angry satire I don't know she's very obviously she I mean she's at the women's rights convention so she's very passionate about yeah. what she's talking about and what she's writing about but I think she does realize that like it's kind of ironic for me to be you know like st standing here and talking about this huge problem in kind of revising like what we're supposed to be found on and we're all supposed to be equal but that's clearly not what's happening because we have to have this convention in the first place yeah I totally see what you mean like so the satire you called it stab taking a stab and I think <laughs> satire has that kind of like uh cutting uh humor yeah. uh you know like cutting it down or somehow taking it down or um pointing out its hypocrisies I think you're absolutely on to something there. Uh, Haley, what do you think? But parody, satire, revision, some other word? No, I think I agree with everything that you were both saying, that it's kind of a revision and it's satire. Like yeah. you said, angry and it's like taking a stab at the Declaration of Independence, um, more catered towards women. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I would just say it's like a revision because it is more catered towards women, which the Declaration of Independence wasn't. Yeah. Um, but it's also satire because they're angry. <laughs> yeah. But so is the Declaration of Independence, right? It was a it was a passionate kind of angry document as it was. Uh, so that's kind of Phoebe's question about being rewritten. So so ask your question, Phoebe, and then give me your first answer. <laughs> so there's kind of it's kind of like split into little sections. Um mm -hmm. and they're just kind of, you know, talking about all the things that women don't have and there were so it mentions at the top of that page that at the convention they were kind of gathering signatures to make this thing really happen one being frederick Douglass, which i thought was really interesting yeah um, again then, that suff uh, suffrage and abolition right um but then like as it started to kind of like settle more they lost a lot of signatures because it was seen as too radical um yeah. then i just i was curious about like what little section everyone thought was the most interesting or the most important and why they wanted that to be. Yeah. What do you think first, Phoebe? What's your most important section? Um, I love the line where it says, he has made her if married in the eye of the law, civilly dead. And I think <sighs> that's super powerful because if you, um, it's kind of like a lose-lose. Like if you're not married, then you can't be anything because you don't have a man by your side. But then if you're married, the man by your side makes all the decisions for you. So you can't really do anything either. So I thought that was really important. Yeah. 
and that's a legal issue, right? That's not like a cultural way to treat women. Like in the law, she yeah. no longer exists as an individual person with rights to like inheritance, et cetera, right? That's a- I mean, I think that's a lot like where the 19th Amendment kind of came in, which is like, mm-hmm. we, yeah, we're married, but we're not one unit. Like I have my own mm-hmm. ideas, which I feel like was like such a crazy thing to think about. Like, yeah you know, like women can think for themselves, you know, they don't just necessarily have the same things and ideas as their husbands do. Yeah. Well, you know that until the 1970s, women can't apply for their own credit cards Ooh. without, you know, like you have no banking or credit until in the 1970s. Okay. Yeah. So this is the thing that, that, you know, starting in 1848, to 1970s whatever uh we still have these battles sort of to deal with uh okay so that's a good line i like that line do you have a favorite one Haley, or an important kind of revision or rewriting yeah you know i think that the second one that was written um he has compelled her to submit to laws and the formation of which she, she had no voice summarizes it all pretty well that yeah. she has no say she can't vote she has no say in anything regarding the country or her rights, and yet she still has to follow the laws and submit to the laws of the nation. Um, yeah. So, and that was really, the complaint that initiated right. the Declaration of Independence, right? Taxation without representation, laws mm-hmm. without elective franchise. Yeah. Right. And, you know, they're also important. That was hard for me to like pick one, but I think that that just really shows like the power in like one sentence so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so what i'm interested in is the the language itself so i have a couple of examples i love this question um to to really compare the left side of my screen uh is the declaration of sentiments and the right side is the declaration of independence so maybe we can do kind of a little line by line comparison. I've also highlighted it really beautifully. So students in the class, you'll have access to this PowerPoint too. Uh, so I'll read the left-hand side and then Phoebe, can I ask you to read the right-hand side? We'll do Ooh. one sentence at a time. Okay, so when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one portion of the family of man to assume among the people of the earth a position different from that which they have hitherto occupied, but one to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. Pause. Okay, Phoebe, you read the sentiments version. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. Okay, cool. So we have some key differences there. Talk to me about some differences that you noticed, Haley. Um, obviously, the first difference is the one you highlighted where it says dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another and the Declaration of Sentiments. Um, that really stands out to me because I think they're taking a jab kind of at the Declaration of Independence directly in that line saying that the political bonds are- I think are... you said it backwards, Haley. That's the independence. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I... <laughs> I heard myself say it and I thought, oh, they'll get it straight. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Well, I was just thinking that um, the political bonds that are being referenced are- that is the power that men have over women. 
Um, and, you know, that women, um, they, they have the right to be equal to men, which is why mm. they say the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. Yeah. Um, so that's really the first thing that stands out to me. Yes. So they both are using that rhetoric of the laws of nature and nature's God. And this is the basis of our argument. This is the basis of our rights is like nature and God. Um, but what they want is different. So in the independence, <laughs> they're saying right, right. separate and equal station. That's actually not what she's asking for in the sentiments. She's just saying a different position to the one they've hitherto occupied. What do you make of that? Not asking for separate and equal. I don't know either. <laughs> Phoebe, do you have an opinion on that? I, whenever I first was reading it, whenever it says dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another, I was kind of imagining like one, how I said before, like it's like one unit. Yeah. And kind of like it's the man and then whoever else is a part of the family. Yeah. they don't like they really don't even matter yeah but then like if you dissolve those bonds it's like oh there's a husband and a wife and a daughter and you know like all these different kind of aspects of like a family but and it doesn't just have to be what the man wants for the family it can be what each individual person wants yeah I mean that's a really interesting it's not about dissolving a family or separating a family it's just about reorganizing a family yeah that's a nice like not not dramatic it's not a, it's not a radical choice she's right. not asking for separation or equality she's not asking for dissolving she's just asking for a, a different position than what they've been having but that god gave them right god gave us a different position and we now have to kind of put ourselves together so again later on there's that rep uh, remove the word separation so the independence is saying we need to separate dissolve separate and equal and this one is saying like amend like slightly and and then we're not going to talk about separation right. yeah does that make sense to you? Why would she make that argument? You know what? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think she's, honestly, whenever you're fighting for something, I think she kind of wanted to like settle it in. Not yeah. like, because she knew where she stands. Yeah. And it's kind of like the idea where it's like, okay, if I'm going to go in with this idea I don't want to look too radical yeah as they later found out obviously I mean they took a lot of the signatures off of yeah what they were fighting for but I think she was kind of like knowing where she was going to go with this and she was kind of like easing her way into the argument not yes, wanting to this is too, too out of range like she's like I know what they want to hear she's like she knows her demographics and she wants this to like sentence one the first <laughs> sentence, <laughs> it has to be, it has to invite the audience in, right? And I think the language of family of man, different position, uh, not dissolving, not separating, that kind of establishes a, uh, a common ground, right? We can, we can find a common ground here. We're not asking for the moon, 
you know, there's kind of a, a moderate, a moderate question. Uh, and another one, this is sort of the, uh, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, the very most popular part of the independence and a very easy all men and women are created equal. That's really nice. There is a very specific um, erasure though. So in the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> it says that governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. That's a really important democratic ideal. In the Declaration of Sentiments, it just says that governments are instituted, deriving their powers from the consent of the government. That's an interesting erasure of among men. Does that make any difference to you? to to remove among men yeah i think for sure um i feel like that was a lot of the a part where i was like oh that was definitely like she did that on purpose yes yes she, she was doing with that one um and i think getting rid of that she was kind of like hey you guys hold all the power but like just so you know we can do that too yeah. we are doing it right now but eventually we are going to be doing that yeah yeah Haley, any thoughts um, I was just thinking that in the Declaration of Independence, it's saying that governments are instituted among men, which is saying that like men specifically kind of hold power in government. And by erasing that, she's saying that no, like everyone yeah. should hold power in government, which is kind of what you were saying already. But <laughs> yeah, when well, it highlights the consent of the governed, right, and that the governed includes women even mm -hmm. if the institution only includes men. And so by kind of removing that, what's the word like strict, strict constructionist? Have you heard of this phrase? I often hear it in terms of like judicial review that there are people who look at the constitution and say, you only have the powers that it directly says you have. And that there are others that read it and say, well, there are implied powers. Does that sound familiar to you from civics class or something? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So this would be an example of a strict constructionist would say, it says among men. I didn't, I didn't make that up. That's what it says. So it's got to be among men. And so by erasing it, she's sort of saying like, okay, we're going to like, we're not going to have that word. <laughs> There's also in the next part, and we'll kind of wrap up here, um, when a government becomes destructive to our rights, it is the right of those who suffer to refuse allegiance to it, which is not at all what it says in the Declaration of Independence, which says to abolish it <laughs> and assist upon a new government. So she's saying like, mm, we're just like going to refuse allegiance. We're not going to abolish it. So another one of those kind of mediating, what's the word? That's not the right word. Mediating. What's the word that I'm looking for? Tempering, ameliorate. I'm looking for a word that means like reducing, but I don't have it. <laughs> what do you think about that part? I think um, her saying like that she just wants to refuse allegiance is saying like, yeah, we're gonna fight back and we're gonna kind of like work on it, but we're not gonna completely Mm -hmm. abolish it just yet mm -hmm. like we're, we're gonna kind of like ease our way into the idea of hey we should be able to do stuff too yeah but we're yeah. not going to completely overthrow the government just yet not yet <laughs> <laughs> not 
not yet. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's something something there. One of the questions that I always ask, and we never have time to talk about it, is like, how do people know the Declaration of Independence so well? How is it that they came to be so familiar with it that like they knew that their audience would read it and be like, oh, in the Declaration, it doesn't say that. They would just know. How did they? I don't know, because we teach it, right? We printed it, we kept it, we wanted to remind it. I was in uh, in high school, um, I was in a, a history club. Uh, I'm sure you're terribly surprised to find that out. And one, one of our activities was to read the Declaration of Independence on the courthouse lawn on the 4th of July in like colonial garb. Um, and that was one of my jobs was to get to like perform the Declaration of Independence. So, I mean, I, I, we've been doing that since the beginning. It's an important document, so important that everyone knows it, even if they don't know that they know it. Um, and so the people who get to write about it and write against it are really important people. Okay, great, we're out of time. Um, but our last note is usually recommendations. Do you all have any recommendations, things you think people should read or watch or listen to? I, before it, like doing the podcast and everything, like I said, I was doing a lot of research on the history of the mm. writer speakers. And there are some really good videos on Sojourner Truth just on YouTube. There's one that's just titled Sojourner Truth and it's 57 minutes long, so it's pretty long. But well, yeah, it, it's really cool. So I would recommend watching that. It's from the channel, The Blackest Panther. So Ooh. if anyone wants to watch that, yeah. Okay, share the link with me and I'll put it on the okay. on the Brightspace page. Phoebe, you have any ideas? Um, I was gonna say not something as education oriented. I was just gonna say, watch a spooky movie, you know? Watch a spooky movie? <laughs> watch a spooky movie. Yes. Okay, then I'm going to make my recommendation to meditate on loving kindness. Uh, you can Google all kinds of medica meditations on loving kindness. Um, but essentially, you repeat the mantra of, may I be happy? May I be well? May I be peaceful? May I be loved? And then you extend it to other people. May you be happy, well, peaceful, and loved. And then may the world be happy, well, peaceful, and loved. And that I think is right where I want to be this week is <laughs> meditating on loving kindness. Also, I think the book, uh, there's a book called A Brief History of Women um, that covers a bunch of uh, one family through the suffrage movement to kind of the contemporary movement. It's a fictional novel and it's delightful. Um, so I highly recommend A Brief History of Women. Okay, great. Thank you so much for being so good and for staying two minutes past 1150. I really appreciate you. Um, thanks so much. Bye. Thank you.